On today's episode, we get into a little NFL Wild Card Weekend, recap all the games. We talk through Lamar Jackson, where he might end up next year, some trade possibilities. We debate whether Justin Herbert is a good quarterback or not. And we give our picks for the divisional card um, coming up this weekend. We also talk a little NBA, talk about this big, great scoring outburst this season. The all-star voting that was released, and we do a hypothetical that Shaq tweeted out the other day. Did release a mailbag today, but we recorded pretty early, so we'll be saving those questions for next week and releasing another mailbag. Hope you enjoy the pod. Really, the Pac-12 was awesome. What's going to happen to Bill Wallen? You separate the art from the artist. Oh, no! (laughs) You should never, ever do this to, like... Now we're going to have Shaq and Ernie telling you, like, what you should be putting your money. <laughs> guess the honor system isn't good enough for us. It's no, certainly no. not with this group. And, <laughs> and Sean went to go grab an angry soda. I don't like him. The locker room doesn't like him. Uh, she's a loser. Well, George does just bring down the ethics of our podcast quite a bit. All of the money is in me looking good. You're listening to the Loud and Uninformed Podcast. Yo, yo, yo. How we doing, guys? Jeebs. <laughs> okay, now, now it's awkward. I don't know what to do. No, I uh, think that's fine. Yeah. You should do it like a shock jock from the early 2000s. Yeah. Hey, coming at you live. It's Sean Foley from 96.5. The King. Yeah. Jeebs, Skyler, how you guys doing? Not too of- bad. What about yourself? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Saw, saw a lot of friends over the long weekend, which was fun. Um, Skyler was there. You know, we had to bring him along because he lives nearby, but needed yeah. to bring him around. It's a so forced invite. Kind of a forced invite. I love, love getting a forced invite. Almost as good as an unforced one. <laughs> uh, I kid, I kid. I joke, I joke, I joke. Yeah, pretty crazy week in the NFL. I will just say right off the right off the bat with the playoffs. I think I looked at this slate and was like, these are going to be a lot of boring games. And they were anything but boring. Even the Seahawks 49ers, which became a blowout at the end, was a great first half. I mean, Seahawks were winning at half. Um, how'd you guys feel about the weekend? I, I agree with you. I thought a lot of those games that were going to be really boring and uncompetitive were not. Bills included, too. That was another one that really came down to the wire. Um, and I think a lot of people thought that was going to be a blowout. So, yeah, entertaining week. Wish the Monday game was a little more entertaining. But um, besides that, great football. You yeah, didn't enjoy the, the missed kicks? The missed kicks were hilarious. And <laughs> is he gone already yet? And that, was, out of there? that was uh I had a uh listener reach out and ask about that if he thinks if we think that Mayor will be gone. And I don't know, it's pretty risky to bring in a kicker in the playoffs. He's been there for years, hasn't he? I'm very uninformed to his career. <laughs> <laughs> The name, the name at least speaks to me as though he's been there for a while. So um, it was interesting how much uh, how much goodwill from kicking can go out the window awfully, awfully quick. But it would have been interesting if it had actually affected the game. It did affect the over under if you're into that type of stuff. But um, <laughs> it wasn't an interesting game. I, I love the bit of Dak getting pissed on the sideline after the second missed extra point. Uh, So I can only imagine what he did after the third and fourth. I was pretty shocked. I think, I think a good, a good segue question since we're already talking about the game. um, Cause I know that this pod 
that we're at least a little lower on Dak Prescott, I think, than the average. Uh, maybe not the average because he's pretty. Yeah, let's just work backwards. Let's go. Let's go Monday and then we'll go back. Monday backwards. How do you guys feel about Dak? And do you think this team actually has a real shot? I got a hand at the Dak. He didn't throw a pick. Great for him. You know, he, he really came through strong. Um, but yeah, I think they're running into the 49ers. And I will say the 49ers, as everybody was saying, they don't really have the pass defense to go along with the rest of the town on the team. Because the Seattle was just destroying them over the top. And can he expose that? We'll see. We'll find out. I don't have a lot of faith in Dak Prescott. I think Tom Brady's the quarterback of the Cowboys next year. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let Jeeve give his take, too. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really high on the 49ers team. But you're right about the pass defense. The secondary is their weakness. But that front seven is really good, in my opinion. Uh, and like advanced statistics would say so. I think the Cowboys are a run first team. Like they use the run game to get everything else flowing. So I think the 49ers will be able to stop that and it will be on Dak's shoulder. So we'll really see uh, how that works out. And then um, on the other side of the ball, I think it'll be an interesting matchup to see Brock Purdy, who Mr. Irrelevant go against one of the up and coming uh, edge rushers in the league and one of the better efficient defenses a lot of the Brock Purdy chatter after that game was that he was generally unimpressive from an actual tape perspective of making those throws that Shanahan kind of schemed him wide open and he's got all the tools or all the weapons that he could possibly want um definitely how do you guys think he stands up to the Cowboys I think Micah Parsons is going to be a problem Uh, (laughs) but if if you know the Seahawks the Seahawks um, have no run defense and their defense in general is pretty bad but I think they made nothing happen. I, I feel like Purdy does what he's supposed to do, which, you know, when you only have to throw five yard outs and a, a 10 check to Christian McCafferty every game, yeah. is is it that hard? Not really. I really don't think so. And I think it's already overblown that they're saying he's going to be a, a starter. They're going to build around him for the future. Jimmy G did the same thing, led them to a Super Bowl, and they still were ready to move on from him a year or two after that. And I don't think Jimmy G is much different than Brock Purdy, in all honesty. Same kind of game manager quarterback. But he hasn't been tested yet in the second half where he's got pressure in his face and he's got to make these decisions because they've been so good around him and they've had the lead. So even in this game where they didn't have the lead at half, they quickly got back in front and ended up winning in a blowout. So, So... if the Cowboys can make it interesting, which they have the firepower to do, then I think he crumbles and loses them the game. If they don't do it this game, it's going to happen in the NFC Championship. I don't, I don't see them surviving against good defenses. But yeah, it feels like the Jimmy G, the whole the whole thing with Jimmy G, that little run where they made the Super Bowl, it felt like that was kind of the because he couldn't make the plays to elevate the offense over the top. That's why they went for Trey Lance. So I totally agree with you, Sean, they're going to run into the wall at some point and he is going to crumble. Um, I think Jimmy G becoming Jimmy G would be a good career for Brock party. Um, something that's already shooting well above I think what anybody thought of, you know, just during the draft season. So, yeah, I think, I think everyone, because we all lived through the whole Tom Brady thing. I think people are very quick to jump to the whole, you know, this guy's going to be good forever. They should build around him, blah, blah, blah. And I guess this is how it would start, right? You come in and you don't lose a game and you look you look good. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't seem really like much of a ceiling raiser. 
I think that Purdy and Jimmy G are actually pretty different. I mean, Jimmy G is a literal plant. Like, he doesn't really <laughs> move at all. He'll roll out, I guess, occasionally. Purdy is willing to run around with the ball. He plays a lot more like Taylor Heineke, in my opinion. I but what's I, the difference between a 23-year-old being out there and a 30-year-old being out there? You know, like, is that a product of his youth or is that his game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I it, it's – yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but um, um, look at what we have now to to deal with. I'd rather have a, a quarterback who can move a little bit. All I'm saying, and maybe I'm getting way too hard ahead of myself because there's still games to play in the NFL season. I think John Lynch, he's been known to make big moves, big signings. I'm going to say right now, and you got to let me finish all this movement that's going to happen. I think Lamar is a 49er next year. Really? I don't know how the how the salary cap will work out, but I think they'll find a way because I don't think Lamar's going back to the Ravens. In fact, I think the Ravens will accept a trade package with the Bears for Justin Fields to plug into their offense that's supposed to work for Lamar, who will be a cheap option. And then the Bears will take another first-round pick and also draft Bryce Young and get all the best of both, both worlds there. So I think there's going to be a lot of movement in the offseason, and I think the Niners are not going to be satisfied with this market that's going to be available. I feel like the Niners have their guy right now in Trey Lance. They want him to just be a little bit better. And then that's like, I don't think that they bail on that already. And then the second thing is if you pay Lamar the money that he wants, you can't have anything else. You can't have Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Kittle, Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey. Like there's just not enough money for all of that. So then you just basically be saying this masterpiece that we've built where we're really just like one elite quarterback away. We're going to just pawn off the rest of that and just see if we can. They're going to, they're going to Bobby Bonilla. They're going to give him a 25 year contract <laughs> that spreads out the money so that they can give it to him completely guaranteed. It's going to be a Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> I just don't understand. The bears take, I've seen a couple of times too. And I just I don't understand. I, I think both teams say no for no to that unless the package is like is wild. I was saying with the bear situation, if you have the number one pick right now, Fields looked good. But you can get a Bryce Young on a rookie deal for five years. And Bryce Young is arguably a better prospect than Fields, even at this moment. Yeah. If you're that high on him. Justin Fields, great runner. He's proven that he's gonna be one of the best running quarterbacks probably ever. But do you want that offense? Is my, my question. Would you rather take the offense with the guy that can sling it around? Hey, if this, um, was, so, a, if this was a Madden that's franchise, where I, think I would take Bryce Young 10 times out of 10. But I think in the NFL, when we don't actually know whether or not quarterbacks are legit, the back half of this year has proven that Justin Fields is legit. So now you have the opportunity where you can either trade back and really start to build a good roster around him. Um, I've seen a potential, the Colts have offered Michael Pittman and a bunch of deals. So go get Justin Fields as wide receiver one and still probably f fill up with more picks. Um, I think there's a lot of appetizing ways for the Bears to go. I would be very surprised if they decided that at this juncture with a budding franchise quarterback, that it's time to basically hit restart and just see like, well, what can we do with Lamar? Because right now you're in a spot where, you know, you could have Will Anderson or you could have Jalen Carter or you trade back or you kind of go out and get this big piece for Justin Fields. I don't know. For me, I wouldn't want to reboot, but that's just me. Jeeb, you got any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, uh, be the voice of reason. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with Skylar. I, I think that's a, a big move. I know I'm not supposed to agree. I, I, I just, I don't like. No, I'm saying it's Sean. Oh, okay. Um, I don't understand <laughs> why. Like, I, 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 there is logic behind Sean's, what Sean's saying. I think there are a couple places it doesn't work. I don't know if the 49ers want it. Um, Cause like Skylar said with Trey Lance, I also think Mike Shanahan is an egomaniac. Like he doesn't <laughs> want the superstar quarterback coming in. He wants to win it with Mr. Irrelevant. Cause then it's all on his shoulders. Um, Where have you gotten that impression from? I listened to a podcast and it's a 49ers guy. And he said that. So that's not my original thought, but then I thought about it a little bit and like, he apparently was the one pushing back against Brady coming to the Niners. Mm. Um, and so I feel I like that's that little... makes sense. He doesn't want to like if Brady is on the team, it's Brady's Super Bowl. It's not his Super Bowl. So and after that's last true. night, I don't know who wants Brady on their team anyways, because that did not look good. Anyway, love this topic. We let's circle back for the weekend. So we got a Sunday night game. The actually well announced Sunday night game. Um, I didn't get to watch the Saturday Sunday night game with the announcers on because we were at a bar. But Lord, Twitter was really mad at Tony Dungy at Michaels in the Jags Chargers game. Um, which, by the way, called the Jags. Uh, I knew they were going to come back down twenty-seven nothing. It was an easy one. Can't trust Justin Herbert. He's not a good quarterback. He's a blow out. I get on the call early with Jeeb and just listen to him watching highlights. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I need to do research because Sean's going to say Justin Herbert sucks. He does. <laughs> All right. So here's my counterpoint there is uh, Jeeb. I, I know Sean knows because I already threw this stat at him, but guess how many rushing yards the Chargers had in the second half up 27 nothing? I'm going to guess under 30. Negative three. Wow. I was wrong. Like you just can't win a football game like that. And yeah. and I I mean that's on Staley, right? Yeah. It they is on Staley. Herbert should have called some audibles. Maybe Herbert should have looked at the box and called some audibles. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I mean I Justin Herbert, 25 for 43. Uh I mean that's okay. 273 yards, one touchdown. Um Trevor Lawrence, 28 for 47, 288 yards, four interceptions. Like who, which quarterback played better? And the Chargers really got screwed. Touchdowns. You left out the five touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Four uh, touchdowns. You just I, left I, out I say, <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, Justin Herbert led the team down the field. It was just Eckler who, like, Brandon Staley. I, I'll tell you Eckler. what right now. Trevor Lawrence played awful in the first half. Terrible. Yeah. But the – but the head and the great mindset, the poise, the poise on him to come back in the second half, shake that off, and lead one of the largest comebacks in NFL history in a playoff scenario, and the other quarterback on the other side couldn't do anything to prevent that, or even score. I wouldn't. I don't think what it's is an he art- supposed to do without his best wide receiver, who's not even that great in the first place. But his best wide receiver gets injured playing in a meaningless Week 18 game. So who? What targets? He is probably the worst receiving core in football. But, Sean, I will say, I think that the one thing that people don't talk enough about with quarterback play is that kind of, like, 
winning X factor and you can only really prove it by winning. And it's really like just the Brady gene of just this guy doesn't look that impressive. Nothing jumps out, but man, does he win football games? Like that is a very important aspect of being a quarterback. Um, and I don't think that Justin Herbert's going to escape that until he wins one playoff game. So I, I think, think he needs to do point, that. But would you say Lawrence looked terrible, but winning the game coming back, like actually being able to be in the locker room, the leadership skills there, all of that, like that. And granted, he has Doug Peterson on his side. He has, he has, you know, I would argue a better roster outside of the quarterbacks. Also has good uh, throwing mechanics, something that Justin Herbert doesn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert is 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'6". Six, six. His release point should be above his head. Watch him throw a football. He throws it at his ear, which is why he gets batted down all the time. He throws the same height as, like, Kyler Murray. No, that's <laughs> not. Six. Okay. That, that is not true. He does sidearm it a little bit. It's not traditional. Everybody's trying to do what Mahomes does, and I, I'm not going to argue with that. Can we talk about the referees in this game, specifically in the last? Can I finish my Herbert point, and then I'll let you – we can go on. <laughs> yeah, go. me of another guy who had a fantastic rocket arm and really tried to extend plays all the time, and then we all thought he was amazing. And then he got hurt, and we had the backup come in who doesn't have a rocket arm, and he just places the ball beautifully. And receivers were catching all the time, and he made the right plays. And then he outdueled Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And that man was Nick Foles, and the guy previously was <laughs> and, and I see Justin Herbert as just another Wentz, to be honest with you. I think he needs somebody who's not a moron as a coach. Um. Yeah, I just think he hasn't had enough time. He'll be good. But, I I mean, it's a question of, like, what kind of – because we have a lot of people that will call some of the best quarterbacks of our era that don't necessarily have a ton of playoff wins and and Super Bowl wins to back it up. Like, and Aaron Rodgers really doesn't have the greatest winning resume, as you would think when when he came in and had that much talent. He did win a Super Bowl early. He did win he did. the Super Bowl early with Joel. But that's what I'm saying. If Justin Herbert wins one, you know, it kind of does away with those allegations and he has 12 years to do it. So, you know, I mean, as long as he doesn't get hurt. So, I don't know. I, I imagine at some point we won't be having this conversation anymore, but it is like a, until you do it, then, you, yeah, you know. Because he'll be the quarterback of the commanders and doing terrible. Probably. Like I mean, he'll have a better shot on the the, the Chargers. Give him Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. He's probably the best. They've got the best offense in the league. Yeah. The, the Chargers are a dysfunctional. Like, look at what they did with Phillip Rivers, one of the all-time greats. They they just squandered his whole career. Like, the Chargers just don't know what to do with good quarterbacks. Well, Danny and Tomlinson on the team too. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad organization. That's definitely. I'll give you. I'll give you that the Chargers are a snakebin franchise, and I'll give you that Brandon Staley probably isn't their coach next year because of some of his decision making. I think he's still going to be the coach there, and that's oh, where no. It's- there's no way he doesn't get canned. Guess guess what? When he's gone, they already got rid of the offensive coordinator. He's gone. There's nobody left to point the blame at. <laughs> the next coach, like if they hire an idiot, do that and keep have making a bad coach. What? You can do that and keeps keep. Who's the Who's the starting tight end for the Chargers? In a lot. Gerald Everett, Josh Palmer. I guess he's a wide receiver, Josh Palmer, but. Yeah, they're just like he doesn't have any like Andre Eckler, aside from Mike Williams, who didn't play, is his best receiving option. Austin Eckler? No, that's Austin's little brother. He's a backup. My my apologies. (laughs) I was saying Herbert stinks. He's the reason they lost this game. There's no other excuses. 
Fair enough. What do y'all think about the referee who called the missed the false start and then missed a a pretty blatant hold? Not like totally blatant, but it was still pretty bad and a stuff that isn't as egregious gets called. I feel I feel like when you're talking about a game where you blow a 27 point lead at halftime, you just you, to point the finger anywhere else. It's you, you fucked up. You, you 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 should be able to score. You should be able to get a stop. It's there is no question that they should have been able to secure a 27 nothing lead. But at the like, what if this were a game that went down to the wire, and the that referee made the same call, no call. And then it doesn't matter. You can't at that. Like Skyler said, if you give up 27 point lead in a half, you can't point fingers elsewhere. So, no, I think you part can, of the sport. like like this. This is a, a huge difference between the Jags being what would have, have been like third and 15 on the 20. OK, how about how about the Jags? The most ridiculous roughing the passer call ever went against the Jags in this game where the guy tackles Herbert and Herbert starts to stand up and he does a celebration with his hands going behind him and taps Herbert on the shoulder and Herbert collapses to the ground like this and the ref gave him 15 yards. So don't give me that the refs were only bad for one. Not, not as crucial of a time point, but... I, no, of course bad. not, but I think like part of sports is having referees that make calls and that, you know, I, I think you have to put yourself in a place to win the game either way. Um, and being up 27 nothing at halftime is a pretty good... Pretty good, pretty good place to be. So, I mean, I think you can sit there and complain about refs all you want, unless the suggestion is to like go fully robotic, which I know some people are for. I'm personally against. No, but I think that that's what you're at. Like, is the, is some semblance of human error okay and allowed? And if the answer to that is no, then that you know, then all you're advocating for is the full automation of of referees, which I understand the argument for. But I personally think that the human error aspect and being able to play certain things up and and change the flow of the game and stuff like that is important. I don't want I don't want automation, but I do want basic false starts to be called. <laughs> um, and I don't think that's too much. Ryan's to got away with a with a false start for that led led to a touchdown too. So I mean, it happens around the league. It happens like around the league. It's a common thing. It's right. it's tough to call to to ref an NFL game. I. It happens all the time. We shouldn't but be false surprised. start. Should be the easiest thing. Everybody's on the line. Everybody's still like that. Just watch. I mean, you can, the, the you two like, you out there for things. one game as an NFL ref. We'll you see count how count the players. Make sure everybody's got eleven on both sides, and you just make sure nobody starts early. And then you you can understand a missed holding call every once in a while, a messed up pass interference. But like, I feel like false starts, especially false well, starts. Well, you messed up pass interference. You're usually stopping something that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to. On this false start, it's just totally in, it's inconsequential. It's just somebody happened to start early, and then they didn't play defense. Like I, I don't understand how that's a one to one. A missed pass interference call is at least like if he didn't commit that, then we would have made the catch or whatever. But for this, it's it, it has no bearing on the outcome of the play. It's just something to grasp at. Fire Brandon Staley. Get on with your life. Well, yeah, let's move to the next game. I just want to say, I think Doug Peterson cemented himself as the best coach in the AFC South. I think it's pretty <laughs> um, Okay. That, <laughs> not, like, I don't think he is. Um, we'll what see. We'll see how Vrabel is kind of, if we can go the for like 20 seconds. Who do the Jags have next week now? Chiefs. Chiefs? Yeah. 
they're going to get fucked. Yeah, probably. Vrabel is, is I think, far and away the best coach in the AFC South. Doug Peterson is a good coach. Obviously, he's won a Super Bowl. Um, and he's he's got some emerging weapons around him, so it'll be interesting to see. I wish the AFC South would go back to being memes, except for the Titans. But it appears that the Titans are, are going to take the role of being the meme squad uh, in the coming. You think? Yes, but I'm very pessimistic. But I, yeah. I do I do see it happening. I, I see us doing something stupid in this offseason. I, I really think we just need to tank. I mean, look, look at who's ended our season the last two years. It's been Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Like, we need to tank and suck for a season or two. Get our guy at quarterback. Because we haven't had a good quarterback since Steve McNair. And even he wasn't like a, a, a world beater. Um, although he was pretty good. I, I would like to see some elite quarterback play along with our defensive mindset. But does that just mean tanking and then just drafting somebody who looks good and hoping that they develop? Because otherwise it's. I'm, a, I'm afraid that's what that means. But I don't think we're going to do that. Like I think we're going to stick with Tannehill and then. We'll, we'll sign somebody stupid. I'm afraid we'll go with like Derek Carr or something. Fully done on the league. I'd take what? Derek Carr in a heartbeat. Derek Carr's nasty. No, I'd, I'd rather have Tannehill than Derek Carr. I'd go. I go Dougie P. And then Lubby Smith because he did. He was every had that one number one pick locked up, and he coached them to the number two pick. So he's a great coach. He, I love that. Two. That was one last fuck you to the Texans. That and was. Then, just- uh, and then uh, Jeff Saturday, the ghost of Jeff Saturday, has got to be three for beating the Raiders in his first week as the interim head coach. And Did, he he hasn't gotten fired yet, right? I guess he's the interim, so he's just no. Like, they're con- they're considering uh, like, hiring him. I saw Jimmy Irsay is a wild man. So dumb. He didn't come close to my prediction of going five hundred. Anyway, we're talking too much about this. Let's go to the next game. Um, what do you guys think about Bengals Ravens? That was a pretty wild ending. I felt bad for the Ravens, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, I did not a fun team to watch. Like, I, <laughs> I'm glad the Bengals are moving on. Don't get me wrong; it's going to be a fun matchup to have the Bengals, Bills, and then whoever does that probably play the Chiefs. But the Ravens, they just muck it up, and they muck it up really good. And they should have won that game if he doesn't just jump. If he stays low and doesn't just put the ball out there to get swatted away for a 99 yard touchdown. So I felt bad for him. Yeah. They're so definitely I, a, a little better quarterback play away from winning that game. So it's definitely disappointing. I will say I didn't watch the game at all, but I'm very <laughs> pleased that that's the way that that fan base got their season ended. Um, I I am happy with that. <laughs> they, they, they deserve nothing less. It was an interesting. Uh, Why do you hate the Ravens fan base? What, what, what did they do to you? They they're just very obnoxious. They when they while well, the Titans and the Ravens have had some playoff clashes in the last four years, hmm. and uh, a, a few people like to talk shit to me about it. Um, and I guess the Ravens got the last laugh and they danced on our field and, and said some shit. Well, I think honestly, this is the biggest like uh, I, I think this is karma for the whole Lamar Jackson situation because you probably would have played if you'd paid him. Um, but he knew that he was kind of tentative and didn't have a long-term deal in place. So didn't have any interest in doing that. And that's what he should do. At um, the same time, does this kind of help their case in that? Like, we're not paying you because you're injury prone. So often, Look, yeah, I, I saw that. Like, 
process a playoff game. So I, like I saw that as a take from somebody that they were like, the biggest concern is that he's hurt and not at good times. Yeah. And so him not and him not being able to play in a wild card game. But I mean, I think that he's of the opinion of pay me or someone else will, which he's totally right about. Yeah, somebody else will. Somebody else yeah. definitely will. So I mean, and, and I think if you're the Ravens, you have a former NFL MVP that's like 25 or something. He's still unbelievably young. You could do anything you wanted there, and to move on is stupid, in my opinion. But who knows? I'm not a GM. Just a guy with a podcast. They only have to pay, like, a couple linemen, Mark Andrews and Lamar, get a bunch of cheap running backs and cheap receivers because they have no interest in paying receivers after they've proven, and then put all the other money on the defense. So I still feel like they could field a good team, even if they have to give Lamar such a big contract. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think they do spend a lot on the defense already with Marcus Peters and, and Marlon. No, no, no. I'm Peters saying, like, Gabriel they, are, deal. they already do. But I'm saying, like, I don't think their formula gets too messed up if Lamar gets paid. No, That's I think the Ravens – They don't they, pay. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think uh, they've got a good build, like a good mold. Yeah. They're a yeah, well-run organization, unfortunately. Historically, in the last few years, or I guess basically forever – the high cap hit quarterback teams not being able to win successfully. Um, I think that's going to stop because every single team that's really good right now is, is going to have players with massive cap hits and very soon. So unless it, it seems like it's either these elite quarterbacks on rookie deals or then once they get paid. So, I mean, it seems more and more like we're moving towards the, you need an elite quarterback just to, to even compete um i guess besides san francisco uh but you know i think that you can win by paying a quarterback in, in this day and age and i think definitely when you already have your mitts on one of them you should hang on to for dear life i think so too and talking about a quarterback that's been paid let's talk about the vikings and giants <laughs> um, so i got fully i thought this was the best game of the weekend weirdly as an eagles fan even though like the giants are giants and cowboys are my two arch rivals, like historically. I wanted the Giants to win this game because I just wanted the Vikings to get proven for the huge frauds that they have been all year long. Like massive frauds. Well, who would you, as an Eagles fan, who would you rather play next week? It makes no sense because we destroyed both of those teams. And like I said, I think the Vikings were the worst team, but I would rather play the Giants just because it's our rival and we get them at home in the link. And I think it'll be extra fired up sort of thing yeah i'm glad that the vikings aren't a part of this anymore because they they suck um but for the giants i have a question for you guys sure what is the most money per year that you as gm of the giants would give to danny dimes the cap right now is what like 220 yeah something like that like Mahomes is making fifty, I think. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield is making 40. like. Mahomes is making forty over ten years, though, so it's four hundred million. I thought he had fifty in there. He didn't, doesn't have fifty in there. I don't think so. I, I could be wrong. I, I, I think Sean's right. Uh, Tannehill uh, is making thirty six, so yeah, I'm I'm fine go. with anything under twenty five. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'd go a little bit higher, but I they shouldn't sink everything into it. I think Dayball's a really good coach and a really good offensive play designer. Um, yeah. I heard I heard a take that he's just Josh Allen light. Like he's not yeah. Josh Allen, but he kind of does the similar stuff. Yeah. 
And yeah. he's proven, like, I think he's a good quarterback. Like, he's better than Kirk Cousins. I'd rather have him than Kirk Cousins. My next question. But uh, I think I think give him 10 years, 300 million. <laughs> Make him 30 million a year for 10 years. 10 years, 300 million. <laughs> really buy um, in for the long haul. I don't know. I think you want think them he- to do that. I'd give him yeah, like I two think he, years, forty million. I think would be a great deal if they could get that, and basically go like, you pull out these two years, we'll give you a big deal at the end of two. Yeah, I think I think he'll be at least like he'll work with them on the number, but I think he's going to want long term, like not ten years, but he's going to want longer than two. Like he's going to get try and get four to five to six. Yeah, I think he will. I would just be curious, though, because if you lock yourself up for that long and you lock it up at a modest number that the Giants can swallow right now, and then you continue ascending, you like I feel like he would want a sure. shorter field just so he has time to reassess. Because he, you know, two years from now, he could, he's probably what, like 20, he'll be like 28 in his prime, could possibly have three years with Dable on his resume in the last three. He hasn't been the same offensive coordinator two years in a row, I think, since high school. So, I mean, having Dable in there, and he could get a lot better. So, I, I personally, if I were him, slash his agent, um, I'd want a shorter thing and then prove it because uh, I think he's just going to keep looking better. There's no reason he won't. So, I disagree I mean, with that. I would take as much, like, <laughs> uh, if, if I'm him because he's a mobile quarterback, like, you don't know when that's going to run out. I mean, look look at Lamar. What, what does the franchise tag make? Oof, uh, I think it's in the 30s. It's it's in the high 30s, I think. And that's yeah. like not too bad. It's huge. It's like- but he understands that he's very injury prone. Just being a mobile quarterback in the NFL, having 300-pound guys try to tackle you. He himself has been durable. I got what you're saying about mobile quarterback. Other than missing the playoffs this year. Or talking about Daniel Jones, who's had a bunch of concussions. Oh, I thought we were talking about Daniel Jones. That just means he has a weak skull. Yeah, it's not like his ligaments have messed up or anything like that. Like, I'd get concerned with mobile guys once their knees start to go or their ankles get hurt or something like that. Quick question. Kirk Cousins, where does he rank out of the 32 starters in the NFL? Because I did my house with my my roommates. It shocked me. (laughs) Give us us the big board where he is and we'll say up or down based based on what your house said. So I think I he landed in the like thirteen to eighteen range. This probably seems fair, right? Yeah. Like when you like, think you'd rather have know, Tua or Kirk Cousins. See, Tua is an interesting one, but like I didn't even name Herbert before him, and I got him to like fourteen. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absurd, Sean. You can't look me in the face as as a fellow ball knower and genuinely think that Kirk Cousins is better than Justin Herbert. I just think he's safer. Terrible. It's like it's like a couple years ago to get you Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson, and it's over for the the whole league. It's over. Oh my god! But the but the thing with him, he'll keep getting his ball swatted at the line. (laughs) But I thought that Giants game was great. I think an Eagles Giants matchup is awesome for the playoffs. Glad they made that primetime Saturday. I'm gonna have a great time. No Dolphins Bills. I guess we didn't really discuss, but. Closer game than we thought it would be, but uh, I'd be um, scared if I was a Bills fan right now. That's yeah, all. 
Well, you should never get caught in a situation where you overlook a playoff game, but like, did they just overlook a playoff game? <laughs> no, yeah. I think that this I, is I think like they they've been lately. It's tough. Their team does not look nearly as good as they did on paper before the season started. Yeah, they're not healthy. The pass rush is gone. Um, the offense does not look terribly explosive right now. Like they I had. I disagree. They look extremely explosive, but they also fuck up a lot. Well, yeah, they they definitely had a, their fair share of explosive plays, but I guess they kind of had trouble staying ahead of the sticks, um, which I guess you get attribute to the running game too. But you're right, uh, mistake prone for sure. Yeah, Josh Allen did not have his best game. So hopefully, as a, I, I like Josh Allen, Wyoming guy, he uh, hopefully got it all out of him because that will not cut it against better teams yeah and he's kind of looked like that for a couple weeks so i agree i i hope he turns it on because Bengals bills could potentially be the best game of the playoffs until oh yeah the championship sort of thing that could be a really fun game so let's do a quick you have to parlay these all right i'm going to give you the options you can take money line or the spread i'll tell you what the spread is um but we're going to run through the four games so jags chiefs the Chiefs are, I'm using the great D.C. betting app, Gambit D.C. <laughs> you can only use it in the district. <laughs> um, sorry, listeners. But Chiefs are minus eight and a half favorites or minus 400 money line. I think I think I would go Chiefs in the spread. I think they might beat the brakes off of the Jags. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the Chiefs also, through the regular season, they don't empty the clip. Um, I think Andy Reid's saving it. I don't. Andy Reid got some plays on napkins in the back pocket. Oh yeah, I don't think he wants to be anywhere near uh, a, a two touchdown game. I, I think they're the, the Jags secondary is kind of rough too, so uh, I don't think it's a good matchup. I'm I'm going. I agree. I'm Outside of Tyson Campbell, who's the best young corner in the league. <laughs> um, so we got Giants Eagles this Saturday night. Eagles are minus seven and a half favorites. Now Giants are getting talked up like they're America's team right now. Um, what do you guys think? You I mean, said seven and a half. I like Dable. I would like the Giants to win, but I we'll see. I, I I'm going to take you the know, Giants plus seven. You're and taking a half. the money line. What? No, not money line, but plus seven and a half. The Eagles might be a little rusty, just coming off the bye. Sometimes it's not as it kind of goes both ways. Uh, and I think the Giants have some momentum. Saquon's playing well, and the Eagles supposedly have a bad run defense, although when they played the Titans, they didn't. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I do think I, uh, Saquon will have a day. I, I, I agree with Jeeb. I think the Birds are going to win, but I think the Giants are going to cover. Because um, to me, that just kind of – it's. I also would take the under if that was a part of the whole thing too because – I just don't I, – I feel like both teams will kind of turn. We'll do, we'll do a separate parlay with the over-unders because that's more fun. Great, way. yeah. Um, so I'm going to ride Eagles spread. I think they cover minus 7.5. They beat the brakes off the Giants the first time when all the starters played. So I'm going to – I'm going with that. Yeah. Uh, and Jalen Hurts – I think that if they do end up – if they end up winning and covering, I think they'll cover by, you know, 30 or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I kinda, that kind of thing. Eagles this year have been a team that they've let some bad teams stick around, um, which would rip muck up this cover here. But 
when they do cover, they cover big. All right. Bengals, Bills. Bills are minus five and a half favorites. Was played in Buffalo, right? Yeah. Give me the Bengals money line. Shuby with the t- Bengal Tigers. Joe Burrow is just too fucking cool. There's just no way around it. He's just, he's got, he's got it. Yeah. I think five points is a lot. And I, I again, I want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. They're my team uh, since the Titans are out of it. But five points is a lot. And, and like even uh, week 17, the, the Bengals were off to a pretty good start. It was looking like they were going to go up 10-3, 14-3. So I, I think they're just going to pick up where they left off. So what are you taking? Bengals plus five. All right. Five and a half. You get a little half point there. Oh, all, all right. right. Um, a final game of the weekend, Cowboys-Niners. Shocked by, honestly, the line. I thought it would be a little bigger than this, but it's Niners minus three and a half. Yeah, they were just talking about that on first take. Uh, give me give me the Niners with the line. They, uh, I don't know, just, just how they outclassed the Seahawks down the stretch there, even though the Seahawks were putting up a good fight. I just... I don't really know how they stick with it either side of the ball for the Cowboys. The the Niners are just better at, at across the board, except for a quarterback. Right. Jeeber, what are you taking? I don't know. This is probably the game that I actually won't bet. Um, I, what you say at first, I I don't. I, I need to think about it. I'm taking Niners three and a half too. I think. I don't think this is a field goal game. For the for the listener here, Jeep has pulled out his glasses because he really needs to think about this one. Um, I'm gonna go Cowboys plus three and a half. Oh fading, baby, I'm fading the public. That is you too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that. Um, I like those little parlay setup. Let's just do our favorite over under for. So, what game do you guys want to know? And we'll all choose one. Uh, Cowboys Niners. Cowboys Niners over. No, I I want to know the number. Oh, 46 and a half. Under. You want to take that one as your over under? No, no, give them all to me. All right. We got Bengals Bills is 47 and a half. Giants Eagles is 48 and a half. Jags Chiefs is 52 and a half. Give me the under in the Giants Eagles game. Under 48 and a half? Yeah. What's the weather looking like in Philadelphia? <laughs> can't imagine it's looking good cold cold and rainy are gonna make it colder for danny dimes i'm gonna take over Bengals bills 47 and a half i could see that turning into a 38 i i was surprised that was so like that's that was the lowest of the bunch wasn't it it's gonna be in buffalo so like ah. i got only 33 though according to espn yeah what's only 33 the over under temp Oh, uh. <laughs> um, I'm going to go over on the Jags Chiefs game. Mm. Wait, actually, let me check the number. 52 and a half. Oh, 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 oh. No, no, no. Okay, I'm going under <laughs> Bills Bengals. Love it. Oh, okay. You and Sean are on opposite sides. You should just gamble with each other. I know we can uh, avoid the uh, the little juice that the book gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes it a little more personal, too. All right, that was good fun. All right, we're going to jump into NBA now. FanDuel, this could have been your segment. All right, just send the check. <laughs> yep. Instead, we're using Gambit. 
Instead, instead gambling is ran. <laughs> Jump into a little NBA talk. We haven't talked much NBA so far this year, uh, but things are starting to look interesting. What do you guys think about the crazy outbreak of scoring that's occurred in the league so far? I think this is the first year ever where there's like over 15 guys with a 50 point game. Um, so it's just, it's absolutely insane. What's, what's making that happen? Do you like it? Do you think it's going to bite the NBA in the in the butt? So apparently the historical precedent around all of this was when the ABA folded and merged with the NBA and scoring exploded. So the, um, it seems like the thinking around this is that the talent, specifically the scoring talent in the NBA is so great that we need expansion teams. Um, and I think that that holds a lot of merit. I think that if you look at the top echelon of NBA players, they are all from countries that were not producing NBA players a generation ago. Um, Cameroon, Serbia, so you're saying like a international player infusion. I think there's just too much talent because of the pool they're pulling from now. And I think that they need more teams. So I wouldn't be, I, I would not be surprised if Seattle and Vegas get some teams or, you know, whatever it looks like. They're talking about that. Yeah. And I think it would be smart. It'd be good for everybody and spread out the talent a little more and give more folks opportunities to be on teams. You know, this could be Jacob Gilliard's moment. He could end up on a roster. If we get an expansion team, that'd be, that'd be great. So, yeah, I think that that's the problem. And uh, and hopefully we do get an expansion. Uh, I don't think it's anything with, like, the rules or anything. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it's talking about the scoring leaders in the NBA right now. I think it's also unprecedented the amount of guys in the 30-point range. Um, like, Jordan had a couple crazy years where he got to, like, 37, but he had nobody close to him. <laughs> he yeah. was doing that. And just the... Read off some of the top guys. We've got Luca averaging an insane 33.8 points on 37 and and a half minutes. And Beats in second with 33.4 points, averaging 35 minutes a game. And you have like Tatum and Giannis and um, SGA. And then LeBron, geriatric LeBron, is at 29.7. So he could get LeBron on a real team. Durant's right there. So, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy, um, just the scoring that's going around. I personally think, and I, I hate that this is going to make me sound like an old head, but I think it's bad for the NBA. I think they need to cut down a little bit. Really? Scoring outbursts because... But what, is, what does that mean specifically? And, you know, I'm a Sixers fan. I watch them beat in hard and play, and they're a bit of foul merchants. And that's I crazy. think... <laughs> the foul budgeting has gotten out of hand. It really has. I think it's too soft. There's no reason that 38 LeBron James should be able to drive to the hoop at the same speed with less resistance than when he was 23. <laughs> like back in the day when LeBron first started playing, he had to run through arms and everything that weren't called as fouls. And now nobody can touch him. So it's kind of like, I, is, I that, like- is that how they're calling fouls or is that spacing? I think so. Part of it is spacing. You're right because they spread out the court now with all the three point shooters. But you know, it's the defenders today. They can't get anywhere near, or else it's a it's an automatic foul. Like there's no such thing as getting your body in front anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. if you don't block it, then you're not stopping them. Like you have to get your hand on the ball in the air, or else it's it's a bucket. <laughs> Bring back hand checking. Like I want to see a little <laughs> bit of physicality. I agree with you. Like we have this era and like, I like the three point explosion. I think shooting is cool, 
But at the same time, <laughs> you got to react by giving the defenders a little bit of help here and taking away the hand checking just completely annihilated how you can defend the perimeter. But I don't think that it's as much of points per possession. I thought it, I think it's pace. I think that is it, part of it too. So early 2000s for sure, but they they had faster pace in like the 60s or something like that. But like this th- this level of scoring was there right when the ABA merged originally. All I'm saying is I feel like a lot of times it goes into this like the NBA is a fouling league, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely the case specifically with some players, specifically with the Sixers players, like – and James Harden for his entire career has been doing this yeah. and has been hey, defended or not defended a bunch of different kinds of ways and times over. Um, but yeah, like, I, sure. Let them handshake again. Like let them, let them rail each other when they're coming to the rim. It's not going to end up in a good problem. It's like, it, it's like seeing that the NFL should go back to the eighties and have Tom Brady get picked up and dropped on his head. Like, there's a reason they're not doing it. They want their stars to be out there. Yeah, so I really sure. like him. They're already resting half the season. <laughs> and cut down the number of games. Yeah. Yeah. The road no, mid-season speaking tournament. speaking of rest, there is also like very lackadaisical effort on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the regular season. That is yeah. that's a myth though that I don't Yeah, I just don't I just don't agree with that. That that is what I've noticed. I, I watch way more college basketball than the NBA. I I really don't watch that because much. college think, basketball players can't shoot as efficiently as NBA players. That's I was gonna why say, I think they're that, going ape shit on defense. Look at the like, just look at their posture, the way they play. Like, Jeep, so- I think the way that that like a a six like a five eleven white guard from Iowa trans like the way that his effort looks on a court translates very differently than a guy who has like a seven foot wing span and can cover an incredible amount of court and like him moving like that versus the small guard moving like that is very two completely different ballparks and it'd be way harder to score against the guy who has the seven foot wingspan maybe i just see guys diving on the they're on the ground diving after loose balls nba it's kind of like oh let it go yeah money on yeah thank you sean college basketball i like college basketball don't get me wrong it's a sloppier game and skyler's saying hell you got that seven foot guy in the middle some some college teams have that because that guy goes to the league and stuff but they don't have the three other six, seven guys on the wings like an NBA team does around the seven footer that makes it so difficult. So yeah, I, don't I think... find beauty in the slop. <laughs> <laughs> I, but Jeep, like if you want to see kids playing hard, like go watch sixth grade basketball. Like those kids are tackling each other. Like that, if that's what you're looking for. But for me personally, watching these like as professionals who play four times a week at the highest level possible. Um, it's not a, people don't turn the ball over just willy nilly. The ball's not flying all over the place. People aren't diving on loose balls like that because they have 82 games to play. Um, it's just, it's just not a fair comparison, George. And then I'd also say that they've, what I think Jeep is seeing there though, is, is the physicality has been taken away from the defenders in the NBA. And that's where I'd agree with you. I don't think it's that they're not trying hard. I think they're not able to bump into guys anymore. So I'm about to like, say something nice about a Philly guy. I like Embiid, <laughs> and he is a foul merchant. But can you imagine if he were allowed to play a little bit more physical under the rim? I mean, stop. He would... Okay, stop. Nah. What? What? I'm gonna. Joel Embiid is the biggest contact avoider on but the. Skyler. But 
I don't think he. No. I, I I think he's a physical dude at heart. Um, I think he's. If you're saying that the whole the problem on offense is that he's not assert is that he's not allowed to assert himself. He gets pushed no, around. I'm, I'm talking about defensively. I'm talking about defensively. Post. I'd like to see him get a little handsy. Oh, that's but he can't do that in today's NBA. He plays like a more athletic Dirk. So I got I got to revise my previous statement. I do think Embiid is a bit of a foul merchant in the sense that he's mastered the rip-through move that gets guys every single time, and he gets two shots out of it every single time. But to agree with Jeep, like, he gets called for offensive fouls constantly whenever he goes down low. <laughs> like, all the time he gets called for the elbow and stuff like that, which is going both ways there. And then on defense, my point about you have to block it or you can't do anything – he doesn't like put himself in front of people. He puts himself on the side so he can get a block on it because that's the only way you don't get called for a foul anymore. So I don't think it's fair yeah. not to call physical. And I'd say being a foul merchant and the way that Harden is is annoying. Like when you're doing it out of the perimeter, that's really annoying. Yeah. When you're down in the post, it's kind of a different game. And that's where I defend and beat a little more. Yes, he still tries to get the foul calls and everything, but he converts a lot of N1. So it's not like he's just he's just like chucking the ball into the air like Harden does. <laughs> but I will say a lot of it is because when you have somebody who is as gravitational as like Joel Embiid or James Harden, when they're going to try to get to their spot, it's really like you can foul him or you can let him score. And I think for Embiid, that spot is the low post. But for James Harden, it's kind of like a step back three, you know? So if you're if you're putting yourself in a position where he can't do that because you're fouling him, I don't know. You put some put some respect on the perimeter guys' names. Um, <laughs> and I also get that. I mean, like, I was so upset to see Zion get hurt again because he was finally playing really a lot of games and playing really well. But you have defenders saying to them, they're like, "What do you want us to do? He's out here playing football, and yeah. you can't touch him." So, <laughs> you know, like, but I think there's to- a way to be physical without fouling, and whether or not. But it whatever that is too specific that it doesn't exist anymore. I, I agree with you that good defense is a little physical, but the contact these days is the leash is so short that refs give players now when they're playing defense on how physical you can be. And I think sure, that, but I think that's something like watching Zion play where you just go, Oh, that guy is much stronger than anyone else on the court. You don't really like to your point, you just see him like overpowering people, and there's nothing that anyone can do to stop him because he's so strong. So it's almost like like that as a baseline is more important than what actually goes on out there because people have just been getting smaller and faster and better shooters. That when you just have someone who's just flat out stronger, you know, that's what's going to happen. I'm disgusted. I have such an old man take, but yeah, that's a that is a. All right, so other big news in the NBA right now is we're almost up on the All-Star break. Uh, The NBA fan voting was recently released. So for those that don't know, fan voting only counts for the starters. And then after that, the coaches and players decide who fills out the teams. But how that works is the top two guards in terms of fan votes in each conference get to start and the top three front court, it's called. So your small forward, power forward, center types. They also get the start. Um, what do you guys think about the the list that was released on January twelfth? Who who's leading the fan votes? Are the fans getting it right? Are the fans maybe misled? Should we so when I first record? when I first saw Kyrie Irving at number one, Oops. I I did not look at the vote number that was next to to it to see that it's literally double what James Harden in third place has. 
So yep. I think that's got to be a meme because he has not been playing particularly well for Kyrie standards. And I heard some other stuff went on with him too. So besides that, it looks like they got it. They got it pretty, uh, pretty good at the top for the most part from where, what I can see. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. Sorry. Go ahead, G. I'll let you say that. Uh, I mean, the NBA just kind of tried to sweep this thing under the rug and it's like, uh, let, let's just forget. He said all that stuff. And people are like, no, NBA, we're going to make you advertise him. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to start probably. Yeah. I, I think it's just ridiculous, and I think it's a total meme. And I don't know if it's people being like, I'm tearing down the liberal NBA by voting for Kyrie Irving. Like, I mean, ten- that's what I thought when I cast my vote. <laughs> and like Kyrie, like Ted Cruz tweeted out and supported Kyrie a couple months ago. So I, I don't I don't even know what's going on anymore. Um, but just terrible. Donovan Mitchell deserves to be a starting guard in the East. He's been playing awesome. He had that crazy, what was it? 74 point game or something. 71 the night DeMar Hamlin happened. So nobody knew about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, worst night to have a big scoring breakout. (laughs) Um, and then the third being Harden, even as a Sixers guy, like I voted her Harden multiple, multiple times in this. I think that's gotta (laughs) also just be that like Houston's voting for him. He's got to have a following too that's pushing him that high up the ranks, rankings. Um, because I think it should be probably Trey Young just in <laughs> terms of numbers, but his team's not doing great. So maybe it's Jalen Brown. I, I don't know. But Kyrie's gonna start. It's just it's just what's gonna happen at the end of the day. Yeah, there's also a pretty big LA uh bias on here with the guards. They got Russell Westbrook and Austin Reeves are both within the top <laughs> ten. Um, and then LeBron is far and away number one. Uh, and Anthony Davis third in a place he probably also doesn't deserve. Um, so that's, that's interesting. But Ross has actually been playing pretty well. Derek Rose doesn't even start, and he's ninth in the guard. <laughs> Jalen Brunson, the starting point guard who's really good for the Knicks, isn't in the top ten. So that just goes to show you that, like, some of these players just have crazy fan bases that will vote for them irregardless of what's going on in their career. Um, so like, like Austin Reeves is nine, but, <laughs> but. It is interesting, though, that kind of a 3 million plus number outside of Kyrie seems to be basically all of the MVP candidates. It's Katie Giannis, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron yeah. and Jokic. Yeah. And I think the Eastern front court's the most interesting. So maybe we'll save that real quick. I think LeBron's the right move. He maybe shouldn't win the fan vote, but he will. <laughs> but LeBron, Jokic, I'd rather see Zion, but I don't even know if he's going to be healthy enough to play. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, I mean, what then, percentage of games this year has he even played? Because he didn't he didn't start the season healthy, and now he's not healthy. I don't know. He's just so electric. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I think we should give it to Laurie Markkinen. He's having an insane year. Uh, he's just not marketable. <laughs> yeah, he'll definitely win most improved. He'll be an all-star. He just won't be a starter yeah. sort of thing. Uh, all right, East front court. This is where it gets spicy. Yeah. We've got two, or honestly, four of the top, like probably eight vote getters in the entire league. Yeah. And only three of them can start. Um, right now, as it sits, 
Durant, Giannis, and Tatum would start, and Embiid would be on the outside looking in. It's a crazy difference between four and five. Embiid's got three point two million, and Jimmy Butler's in fifth with six hundred eighty-eight thousand. So, like, that's an insane gap. Um, I think Embiid, he's averaging the second most points in the league with less minutes than Luca, and he's only like half a point behind. His assist numbers are up. His turnover numbers are down. He's a great defensive anchor. Now, who would I put him in in front of? Giannis, Tatum, and Durant? That's oh. really tough. That's really tough. I'm a I'm a hater. I'll go yeah. on record, but I think Embiid should probably be first. He's there. You he, go. Yeah, he's he's probably. I mean, Giannis. I think at this point is in those kind of like early LeBron years where it's like you have to add something significant to really be sure. to the top here. Um, I don't know that I would say that he looks like markedly much better than he did the last couple of years, but Embiid seems to be climbing away. Um, MVP talk, really. He's not even like the top five. I know it's crazy, but I think it's, it's the same kind of like voter bias, except he still hasn't even gotten the chance to win. So it's like worse to both worlds. Um, But then KD's been hurt. Like he's great, but. He got hurt like two weeks ago, but up until that point he was, he was playing pretty like maybe the best ball of his career since he was like, but I almost wonder like what's the margin of error there for all of these guys that are playing like some of the best ball that we've ever seen at what point is not being available for uh, a little chunk there become the difference. Yeah. And you know what? I I mean, I think he should be there in front of Tatum, but Tatum's on the best team in the league. So, and he's the best player. So it's kind of a hard thing to say that he doesn't start. And especially but, like year after you go to the finals and now you look even stronger and better, like that, the way that he affects winning, I think is in a, in a way that if he's playing and they're number one, and I think it's tough to put someone in front of him. Yeah. Looking down this list, look at that LA bias, even though he's in DC now, Kyle Kuzma's I don't know if it's LA bias. I think people just like Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> I don't like he has a Derrick Rose-esque fan base. Who the Kardashians like him or something? I don't oh yeah, the fashion people. All right, Jeeb, who, who do you think? Durant, Giannis, Tatum, or Embiid? Only three can go. One's got to be the odd man out. Nick Claxton. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I right, would have thank you Tatum folks. Go. That's the end of the episode. Nick Claxton. Tatum's gone. Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's unfortunately probably the right answer. But I like him. The truth is, it's just stupid that they do this three front court, two guard thing. Tatum could just be your shooting guard in an all star game. That's true. Like it should just be the top five vote getters. But especially I in this day and age, like you want to see that. I'd w- I'd love to see like a team that just had four centers yeah. starting because they are the people who earned it. And I think the basis of this podcast is we're just all sports fans. Like we have no background in sports. We none of us played collegiate athletics sort of thing so mm-hmm. a fan vote is a really cool <laughs> thing for us oh, oh i'm sorry, sorry. I, I, I guess i didn't realize that richmond women's basketball wasn't a college sport and you were on the practice squad for it you're not a woman i don't think oh were you on the team or... if you're on the, pra- the practice squad doesn't count for anything did you get a letter <laughs> i did not get a letter <laughs> did you get a jersey did you get a jersey I didn't get anything. You're not on the team then. <laughs> I got I got a I got a warm up I got a warm up track suit that was designed primarily for women. <laughs> and let me say that it accentuated my form beautifully. 
By the way, what's your point per game in your uh, your neighborhood league basketball league that you joined? Oh, uh, I've only played Shooting. one game, but I had I had nine. What do you think he shot? You had nine. Five. Nice. That's a. I just had made three threes. Um, I probably went like three for five. That's much better shooting than I'm actually used to. I feel like it looks real pretty, but lately, just in anything that's counted, they have not really fallen well. Our IMs, I, I could have built a built a series of small schoolhouses with however many bricks I threw up that entire time. So, felt good to get out yeah, there and shoot like sixty percent. You definitely lost me back to back to back to back IM basketball championships. It's all on your shoulders. Yeah, that was mostly on me. <laughs> um but yeah i'll start voting we'll see where this ends up fan votes are always a little kooky but i kind of enjoy that they exist um especially for something as meaningless as an all-star game in all honesty but because the all pro is what matters the all nba or whatever at the end of the year last thing here let's hop into our hypothetical um so good basketball man shaquille o'neal tweeted out a photo the other night. I think we should discuss it. It was a picture of him, so Shaquille O'Neal, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Magic Johnson on one team going up against Steph Curry, LeBron James, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and Giannis on the other side. And he said, four games to two, you know who I'm with. Don't ask me. And who's guarding me is what he says. He thinks they'd win. A, they'd win a seven-game series in six. Is his team? What do you guys think? Uh, I I'd say first of all, the old heads team has more talent for sure. It's definitely a that yeah, is. Five, so five. I, I did to help you there. They have nine more rings. Yeah, but shockingly, only four more MVPs. Really? That actually is interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, of those five, it's like five of the top eight or nine greatest players of all time, depending on how you rank it. So um, greatness-wise, they, they, would, they would really do some damage. But fit-wise, I worry, because there's no spacing on that team whatsoever. Um, I guess Larry, Larry Bird, I mean, obviously had some element of spacing, but from your backcourt, you're getting no, nothing. Um and I think that the other team is built basically like how you would want to build a like perfect roster. You have massive wings with LeBron and Giannis and KD shooting all over the place. Arguably one of the best point, well, are one of the best point guards of all time. Arguably the best point guard of all time in Steph. Tons of great spacing. I will say the only thing I'd be concerned about is if Joel Embiid can handle Shaq, because that would be tough. Yeah, tough game on the interior if he couldn't, but they have so much size outside of that. Also, whoever Steph's guarding will probably get. And are we are we assuming that the refs that are refing this are like switching eras every game? Like game one is the modern era refs, game two is the old era. <laughs> Let them be more physical because I think that matters. It definitely does matter. I would. We're we're old. We're going old for the sake of my argument. <laughs> I can't really argue what I was about to argue. Fire away. Uh, I think you look at matchups in this more physical and entertaining style of basketball, and the old heads are going to have to take it. I get that the shooting's not there, um, but like Skyler mentioned, the Shaq versus Embiid matchup is, I think, a mismatch. Although I think Embiid is, if there's anybody who can slow Shaq down, 
He's the guy to do it. Um, I really like the Magic and the Steph matchup. I think, like, what is Steph going to do? Magic's like 6'7". <laughs> he's going to back him inside, and, and then he's going to work with Shaq really well. Uh, I think Kobe finds a way to put some points up on LeBron. Um, I'm worried about Giannis and Michael Jordan. Um, because Giannis is just so athletic, but Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan. Um, and then obviously Katie's there, uh, and, and Larry Bird can try and defend them. That team will get some points, but I think they win in a, a physical matchup. So it's, it's but tough. Mike, but... Mike would guard Steph, right? So that's what I was thinking. What yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess if I'm going from the modern team, I'm putting in beat on Shaq. Giannis, mm, I guess Durant on Larry Bird. I'm putting LeBron on Jordan. Then I'm going to put – see, it's tough. Do you put Steph on Kobe? Because <laughs> you don't no, want to – I think you put Steph on Magic. And you just stand them 10 feet back and dare – They don't – They yeah, they don't have any spacing whatsoever on this team. I mean, Embiid is just standing next to the paint. Well, what if, what if I think Kobe realizes – that he's going to need to step back and shoot some threes. And, and I think he'll turn into the st- the spot shooter that he well, needs I think the, the modern team should do. They should run a one, three, one high half course trap defense <laughs> and force them to shoot because I, I don't know if this team can shoot. All that being said though, I don't think the old heads have to really care about defensive matchups. Cause I think they would have the upper edge in a lot of them. As long as they get out on the shooting aspect of the modern game, I think it would be. Because that's going to be the biggest thing is that Beat's going to blow by Shaq or shoot a three in his face every time. I was going to say, I just got a, I just got some real-time, uh, granted, Philly fan feedback that said Embiid can guard Shaq better than Shaq can guard Embiid. I don't know if I believe that, but... I think Shaq's game, like, don't get me wrong, he was the most dominant force maybe in NBA history since, like, Wilt Chamberlain. But I think there's some truth to that and that you just got to worry about the one dimension and that's down low in the post. And can you handle the one dimension though? But Giannis can come over and help. And that's true. Can hold him up. And again, no spacing whatsoever. Um, And then, you know, they probably have a six man, like, I don't know, whoever you want, Nick's Claxton to come on and foul Shaq five times, put him at the line, ruin their possessions and their flow. <laughs> you must be Kevin. I came into this undecided, but hearing both arguments... I think I have to go modern. I think, I think just you're looking Sucks at, Jeep. but didn't argue well enough. Right, <laughs> Jeeb. I think the one trump card you have though is that you got Jordan and Kobe, who are just the two greatest winners maybe in NBA history of just like forcing their team to win. That is yeah, kind of so yeah. That, that's why I say like they figure. I get the spacing is an issue, but Jordan and Kobe are. They'll do whatever it takes. And you got to remember, Larry Bird was actually a really good shooter. He just didn't shoot much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I, I think both with the difference in volume and stuff like that, it, we don't know how well it translates versus arguably two of the greatest shooters of all time with Katie and Steph. I mean, we're just not even talking about the same. But, you know, Magic Johnson, he, he might be just Ben Simmons in this era, so terrible (laughs) that's that's a little bit rude it is a little bit rude to magic but 
I don't think his game translates very well to the modern era. Depends on whether or not they can get out and run, but against a team like this, I don't think so because yeah. uh, they can get up and down the court real well. You have a couple of the best chase down blockers in history on that team too. Right. I was I really hoping Ben Simmons was going to have a fuck you season uh, to the Philly <laughs> fans and boot him out. Although he was kind of a bitch. So what clearly. Do you- he boot him out. He stopped playing for us. <laughs> I well, yeah. <laughs> He's not playing after the booze. Well, he stopped playing. In, in my, like at the time, I was thinking, all right, well, Doc Rivers just kind Philly, of we shit really on him home. after the game. Philly fans are ruthless, uh, but they turned out to be right. So what? You know, maybe, <laughs> it's a head case. He's not our problem anymore. You know, it's it's like a messy divorce here. I just can't think about him. All right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's over. He lives up the turnpike now. And that's all that matters. <laughs> very likely you see him in the playoffs, though, which will be very fun. How did the his first game back go? Wasn't his first game back in Philly a few months ago? His first game went as all of his games in Philly went. He missed a lot of free throws. <laughs> Couldn't make any. He gave all the people free chicken nuggets from Chick Fil A because that's the if you miss two free throws in a row, all the Philly fans get Chick Fil A nuggets. So I was watching a game and they were talking about that on the broadcast the other day. It cracked me up because you could hear the place start to go crazy after they missed the first yeah. one. Yeah, it's the best promo ever. <laughs> that is yeah. promo. I feel like in other NBA arenas they like cheer it, but Philly fans are like six Chick Fil A nuggets. I I gotta get this. <laughs> And they say, get you through a couple of days. Um, for a fun thing for the listeners, if you want to look up, it used to be called the Frosty Freeze Out, where you get a free Frosty from Wendy's. Look up the time that Isaiah Thomas uh, gave the Philly fans, <laughs> went to the Philly fans' stands after they wanted a Frosty Freeze Out real bad. It's a, it's a good one. It's a funny one. Um, we can stitch it in. What was that? We can stitch it in. Yeah, yeah, we can do. All right, give give the intern more work. I like making promises that the intern can't fulfill. <laughs> Listen, also, uh, Jeeb, we're, we're going to make a little Ponzi scheme where we're going to take on 40 Richmond interns using the Richmond guarantee, the $2,000 they give them. But we're going to pocket like 1500 of every 2000 Hey, sounds good to okay. me. You count, make it work. Make it happen. I, I will work on it. I use the Richmond guarantee and – definitely what i did for it don't incriminate yourself on yeah here. yeah I'm, I'm just not gonna <laughs> it wasn't blatant but Wait, what <laughs> we blurred the lines of what they call an internship this might need to be bleeped out <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that's a wrap on today's episode before jeeb incriminates himself any further um i'm sure he's already got knocks at his door that the, the Richmond FBI are, are, are banging down the door right now demanding their 20 minutes back. Well, I don't um, remember who the guy who runs that program is, but Johnny has always had real beef with him, which is very funny. <laughs> so <laughs> if, if they do end up getting on your case, George, that should be your one call. I, I will. Jo- I, I will. Good to have him on my side in this matter. <laughs> All right, fellas. It's good talking. All right. Bye. See you guys. Thank you for the